Welcome to the Wealth Standard Podcast with host Patrick Donahoe, author of the best-selling personal finance book, Heads I Win, Tales You Lose, and one of the nation's most influential financial advisors. The Wealth Standard's focus this season is investing. 2020 opened with markets and asset prices at all-time highs, but many of us experience more financial uncertainty now than we did a decade ago. Although there are more choices and opportunities than ever before, the risk-to-reward ratio teeters on a global fulcrum, contributing to the roller coaster of emotions surrounding financial well-being. It seems like everyone is walking on eggshells. This season, we'll cover topics revolving around investment theory and strategy, atypical investments versus conventional investments, and the role of investing within personal wealth strategies. The Wealth Standard Podcast is committed to inspiring you to be more financially free. There is no better time to gain clarity about your wealth strategy, your investments, and your financial future than now. This episode is sponsored by the new and improved Financial Independence Calculator found at thewealthstandard.com forward slash calculator. One of the driving forces of human beings is freedom, which infers financial freedom too. So several years ago, I set out to discover how any individual, regardless of their financial situation, could evaluate their finances in five minutes or less and have a firm date when they could achieve financial independence. The latest version of this calculator, which is free for listeners, can be found at thewealthstandard.com forward slash calculator. The calculator is going to take you just a few minutes to complete, and it's going to provide you with a specific financial independence date. So go check it out today. Tony Robbins has said that the eyes are the gateway to the soul. As you guys can see, I'm in a, my car. I'm about to participate in an event in Northern Utah called 29029 Everesting, which is essentially hiking up a mountain multiple times until you reach the elevation of Mount Everest. It's done in about a dozen locations around the country, at least it was previous to COVID, just a handful of times this year. And I just came from a conference on the island of Kauai. And so I did not have time to be in my office and record an episode for the week. But I'm going to, as I mentioned last week, record some audio sound blips as I hike up and down this mountain because it is challenging. And specifically commenting on the nature of being in kind of this team environment where there's another hundred some odd people hiking with you and encouraging you and just some of the success stories that come from it. So listen to next week's episode to get a compilation of those sound bites. But this week, what I wanted to do is comment, really bridge last week's episode with this event that I'm doing with two conversations I had with Hall of Fame individuals. One is a professional athlete, which most of you will know. Another is also a Hall of Fame individual in the Golf Hall of Fame, who you may not know. But I, when I was on this at this conference, I had the opportunity to play golf. And 
it's a famous course called Poi Poo, the Poi Golf Club. There is a, a PGA event that's held there. Beautiful golf course. The grounds are incredible. They have these two ocean holes that are magnificent. I got to play it a couple of years ago, and it was a joy to play it again. As we were leaving the 18th hole, there was an individual that approached us. He was in a golf cart, had looked somewhat disheveled, had this old green golf hat, kind of wrinkly. You could tell that it had been worn a million times. And he was driving along the path. We were exiting, and he was older in age, mid-80s. Didn't look like he was in his mid-80s. Looked like he was in his mid-70s or younger. But he asked, how'd you guys like the round of, of golf? How'd you like the course? And we were like, oh, yeah, it's incredible. I played here before, and these are their first times playing. It was beautiful. It rained a little bit. And he's like, yeah, this is one of the most favorite courses that I've designed. And I was like, oh, the individual next to me, though, was like, wait, so like you helped with like the grounds crew, like you helped build it. He's like, no, I designed this course. And this gentleman that I was playing golf with, who is an avid golfer and knows golf history, his son plays on a NCAA Division One team back east. He's like, what's your name? And he said, my name's Robert Trent Jones Jr. And my partner was like, no way. And he had probably a dozen Bud Lights by that point, maybe a few more. And he said, show me your driver's license <laughs> to get him to prove it. So this guy, which I'm sure that was not anticipating that question, opened up his wallet and didn't have his driver's license, <laughs> driver's license on him. But he had a black card, an American Express black card that said Robert Trent Jones Jr. on it. We got a laugh out of that. But then we started a conversation and he had this diary journal that he was showing us that is mapped out a lot of the courses that he designed. It showed some of the drawings. It sh he's written poems about the golf courses that he's designed anywhere from Indonesia to, of course, Hawaii. He was up in Hawaii doing a redesign of a golf course in Princeville, which is in the northern part of Kauai. But he's been to Mexico. He's been all over the world designing hundreds and hundreds of golf courses. And his father, Robert Trent Jones Sr., I think he did upwards of 600 either designs or redesigns of golf courses. So it was in kind of the family. It was becoming a legacy. Uh, anyway, so we were having this conversation. And I remember it distinctly where he started opening up his book and looking at us. And I looked straight into his eyes and it was a, it was an unbelievable connection where I saw how much this man loved what he did. As he was flipping through his journal and diary, there were pages that were earmarked. Clearly the book had been used many times to show other individuals, but it was truly inspiring to have a conversation with the man who discovered his calling in life. And he wasn't done. He was, I think he's 83 years old, almost 84. And you could tell that he lives and breathes what he was meant to do in life. And it was an incredible lesson. Hey, taking a break from the show. Don't forget that as a podcast listener, you get free access to the financial independence calculator at thewealthstandard.com forward slash calculator. You see, when asked a simple question, what are you ultimately trying to achieve financially? 99% of respondents say, I want to retire someday. I was shocked a few years ago when I learned two statistics. Number one, how few people actually saved anything 
for retirement. And number two, of those that did save, less than 20% would ever successfully save enough and not have to keep on working. I couldn't believe it. I then realized that what people really want isn't retirement, but financial freedom and ultimately a reasonable way to get there. That's why I designed the Financial Independence Calculator. You can get access by going to thewealthstandard.com forward slash calculator. Now back to the show. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on an episode that when we connect with people, whether it's a stranger in line at the coffee shop or it's someone at the airport or someone at a restaurant, those are people that we are meant to meet. You may not think that, you may be skeptical, but there's a stoic idea around the fact that the people we come in contact with, we are meant to communicate with them. We're meant to connect with them. At least I speak for myself. Don't take the opportunity to do that at a deep level. But I connected with this individual, Robert Trent Jones Jr., through his eyes and saw how powerfully he loved his life, how much he loved doing what he did. He had to travel all around the world. And he was actually at this golf course because there was a group behind us that was playing. It was kind of a part of the golf club there. And he was going to show them some of the designs for the golf course up in northern Hawaii. And as he ended our conversation and started to have a conversation with them, he didn't skip a beat as far as the passion and the excitement that he had for what he was going to do and talk about golf and golf courses and golf course design with these gentlemen who also had apparently a passion for golf. All right, so that was my first interaction and my connection this past week. The second one was with a Hall of Fame running back for the Dallas Cowboys name, Emmett Smith. Many of you will recognize that name. So Emmett Smith was a guest speaker at the conference I was at. There was actually two phases of our conference. We were phase one. There was another phase two, another group of people coming in after us. He was the last speaker on the morning we were departing. He was going to speak that evening to the other group that was coming in. And there were only a few people there. Many people had already left on their flights, about 25 people, 30 people in the room. And it was general question and answer. And he talked about two distinct things. He talked about team and he talked about the idea of hunger, the principle of hunger. Now, I didn't get to ask him any questions there, didn't get to interact with him personally. But after this little speaking engagement, we were checking out of our room, went to have breakfast. My family went to have breakfast. I went to the gym. And lo and behold, as I was getting my workout underway, Emmett Smith walks in and gets on the Peloton bike that was right next to me and started doing his workout. So I loved, enjoyed his speech, his talk in the morning and was grateful that he was there, yada, yada. Then I got into my workout, worked out for about an hour and a half. When I was done, he was getting out of his workout and we we're the only ones in the gym. So I went up to him and I said, he didn't have a water bottle with him, so I gave him some water. And I said, listen, I really enjoyed your talk this morning. There's two things that I took from it and I'm super grateful because I have been thinking along these lines lately. The first thing was the idea of teamwork. And I told them what I've discovered in business is some of the most successful businesses, including in my business, have been those that have participated in successful teams in the past. And most of it is through sports teams, especially at a very high level, either maybe high school, but collegiate or professional levels. 
And there's an individual that's on my team at, at Paradigm that's who's a commander of a Navy submarine for 20 years, retired as a commander. And the idea of teamwork within the military is profound. But anyway, the success as far as individuals are concerned really comes from how they see their role on their team. And that's what he spoke to that morning. And of course, there are, whether it's Terrell Owens or other athletes who are very individualistic, egotistic, and don't operate that well on teams, they tend to ruin the culture of a team. But Emmett Smith, even though he is individually accomplished, he accredited a large part of his success to his team. And then the second principle was the idea of hunger. And I said, hunger's fleeting because you could be hungry and it drives you for a moment. But when that moment's gone, when achievement is made, that hunger no longer gives you the drive for the next level. And he's like, I totally agree. Hunger is a never-ending principle of life. Finding something to be hungry about, passionate about, driven to accomplish or to achieve. I said, with teamwork and hunger, did you know that as you exited the NFL? And he's like, no. I experienced it, but I didn't understand how teamwork applied to business. And now he's a successful real estate developer in Texas and a couple other areas, I believe. But the idea of hunger, where... Of course, he had hit all of these major levels in his professional career and getting to those levels and more levels just wasn't possible anymore. So hunger and drive and the why behind his new achievements had to be discovered. And it's a never ending process because once another level is hit, it's again circling back and finding something else to be hungry about. So the lessons from these two interactions are as follows. First, you don't ever know who you're going to meet. And just like I had this eye contact and presence, which I've been working on a lot over the last couple of years with Robert Trent Jones Sr., I did the same thing with Evan Smith, where most people would be very, they wouldn't go up to him and start a conversation with him. And I didn't start the conversation saying, I was like, hey, I know you love golfing. Let's go golf before you leave and before I leave. And he declined because he had to give a speech that night. But it's Recognizing that all human beings are the same in a sense, and they all, most at least, love connection and love conversation. And so just the fact that I went up to him is something I probably wouldn't have done a couple of years ago. But knowing that connection is deeply important to me now, and specifically being able to connect and understand eye contact and presence and being there, the energy is profound. It's palpable. And it was only a 30-minute conversation I had with Emmett Smith. But the idea is when you're able to connect at that level and have common ground that you agree upon and speak to, especially when it comes to principles, man, it's a conversation I'll never forget, but with both of those individuals. So that's the first thing is never discount the moments of opportunity where you're able to connect with somebody. It could be a Robert Trent Jones Sr. It could be a junior. It could be a nobody. It could be an Emmett Smith. You never know. And like I mentioned a few weeks ago, it could be a billionaire. It could be your next business partner. It's someone that can inspire you to take your life to the next level. You don't know what you do know. And if you can operate your life on this belief, good call to action is consider all of the connections that you have with people, all of the relationships. But when you interact with somebody, consider that as something that was meant to be. Consider that moment as something that you were destined to fulfill. How are you going to fulfill that conversation? Are you going to be present? Are you going to have eye contact? Are you going to engage? There is so much 
fulfillment that comes from that level of communication and conversation. The second is, I would say, find something that lights you up in the morning. Find something, and I would say seek, not find. Find is, I would say, a singular event. Seek out passion. Seek out something to be excited about when it comes to your vocation. Seek out, like Robert Trent Jones Sr., something that your blood pressure raises, your excitement level, your zest for life is amplified when you're able to participate in that. And the last is, well, actually two more things. Teamwork. Know your role on a team. Be part of a team. Even in business, we may think we have individual titles, responsibilities, positions, but we're part of a team in a number of ways. By understanding that other people play different roles and complement ours. It's also being there when times are tough. It's also being willing to accept help and support when times are tough for you. And the last thing is hunger. Know your why. I would say a very simple first principles idea behind success is your hunger, is that driving force behind why you're doing what you're doing. Hunger could be a level of lifestyle that allows you to take your family places, to experience things with your spouse. It may be individual. It may be able to golf every Saturday. It may be able to have a membership at a country club, maybe to provide charitable contributions, even time to causes that you're passionate about. Find something to be hungry about. That hunger, that why is going to drive you through the inevitable friction, difficulty, and challenge that stands in the way between where you are right now and what you want to accomplish and achieve. Guys, thank you for listening. You're amazing. I appreciate the support. Check in with next week's episode where you'll hear a compilation of audio bites from this physical challenge I'm about to embark on. Until then. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Lord from the sun.